Welcome, world, to Music Day, a verified hit. Real music talk with experience. In this episode of Music Day, a verified hit, we'll talk to the man. He's in black effect mode, so get ready for a conversation with Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Charlemagne the God. We're going to tell you stuff people won't tell you. We talking business up in here. We're going to get the people what they want. That's what I'm talking about. Welcome to Music Day, the podcast that invites you to listen to real life stories of iconic music creators and legendary music executives, those who create the sounds and those who make business careers of it. I'm your host, Billy Johnson Jr. Today's guest is indeed a living legend, Charlemagne the God, the 2021 recipient of the Living Legend Foundation's Jerry Boating Award. The Monks Corner South Carolina native is one third of the top rated nationally syndicated morning show, The Breakfast Club, for the past 10 years. He's the author of two books, a 2017 New York Times bestseller, Black Privilege, Opportunity Comes to Those Who, who Create, and the 2018 release, Shook One, Anxiety Playing Tricks on Me. He is the founder of the Black Effect Podcast Network and has co-hosted a number of television shows, including Charlemagne and Friends, Uncommon Sense, Guy Code and others. Charlemagne the Guy, welcome to Music Day. Billy, how you doing, my brother? Man, I'm, yeah, thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing great. So, man, at this, at this point, the, um, the votes are in for the, for this election. So, I want to know, um, who, who got it? Who, 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 who did you? Yeah, who, who no, do you no, feel? I'm gonna be honest with you. It's a toss up. I mean, it would be easy to say, yeah, you know, we'd love for, you know, Senator Kamala Harris to get in the White House as the VP. So, you know, that's the ticket I'm rooting for. Right. But um, I, I don't know. For uh, what twenty five days until the election, um, I think the polls show today that he's up by fourteen percent. That's really nothing to get excited about because Hillary was up by fourteen percent with like twelve days to go. You know, so you just never know. You know, and and we know that the 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 Trump administration is going to do everything in their power to stay in power. You know, and 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 they're not going to play fair. And I'm a, I just I don't know. I really don't. I really yeah. honestly don't know what's going to happen on November 3rd. I just know it's not going to be normal, whatever right. it is. Don't think that, you know, we just going to go to those polls, vote, and, you know, overwhelming people are going to come out for the Democrats. Biden's going to get in the White House, and that's going to be it. No. None of, none of this process has been normal, so don't think it's going to end normal. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point. He's already been saying that. Um, so beyond voting, what do, you, what do you think we should be doing as a community if we want to see a difference in politics? Well, in politics, I think we got to continue to do what we're doing now as far as um, business is concerned. You know, um, it, it, the thing I see about politics is, you know, money is what, is, is what makes these politicians move. You know, in order to have a, a, a real voice, a lot of the time you have to be, you know, donating to these campaigns. And, you know, you have to be involved on that end to have, like, true say in what type of legislation gets passed or, you know, who you want to see in office. And I think Black people, we're just, we're just getting to the point now, a lot of us, where we're politically sophisticated enough to, to understand that. So I honestly think financial freedom is, is our true hope, you know, that, that, that economic empowerment, you know, getting, getting equity in, in these, these, these companies we choose to do business with, you know, are creating equity by just building our own companies. You know, I just think that economic empowerment is what's going to ultimately 
you know, get us over that hill when it comes comes to politics and and knowing what we want, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this is the first time in my lifetime, in my lifetime, keep in mind, I'm only 42 years old. I'm sure people have seen it in their lifetimes that came before me, especially during the civil rights movement. But this is the first time we actually have a black agenda. You know, we're pushing for a black agenda. We're demanding things from these politicians and they really don't even know how to how to react to us doing that. The mm. same way they telling athletes to shut up and dribble, they so used to telling black people, just shut up and vote. And it's just like, nah, we're not shutting up and voting. You know, we understand that there's a, a, a threat to all of us in the White House, but since y'all need us so bad, let's get something out of it. Mm. Can, can, can our community finally get something out of it? Can our votes finally be transactional? So crazy as it sounds, I think we're in a good place. Yeah, yeah, I want to commend you in the Breakfast Club for how you use the platform to bring on more politicians and people talk about uh, economics and all these different things. You know, I've seen that evolve over the years. And another thing that you've done recently that I think ties into the point you just made is that, uh, you know, in September, there's a, a situation where you saw some kids at a fast food restaurant using Wi-Fi to do their schoolwork and you stepped in. Can you talk about talk about what happened? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, my man, Mayor Stephen Benjamin in Columbia, South Carolina, you know, that, that's, that also shows the importance of local politics, right? Because Mayor Stephen Benjamin is somebody that I have a relationship with, a direct line to in, in my home state of South Carolina. And every year I do a book bag drive. I've been doing a book bag drive for years in my hometown of Monk's Point of South Carolina. But, you know, this year it didn't feel right to do that. So I just, you know, reached out to Mayor Stephen Benjamin, just like I reached out to, you know, Mayor Tecklenburg in Charleston. And I just asked Steve, you know, what is, what is, something I could do, you know, this year for these kids. You know, I just feel like, you know, they're, they're at home virtual learning. How can I make it easy for them and their parents? And, you know, he introduced me to this uh, organization called Ignite. And, you know, that's what Ignite does. They provide, you know, um, Wi-Fi for, for places that need it. And so I made, it, I, made it, I made the donation I needed to make to, to make that happen. And, you know, we got it done for the Colony Apartments in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, that's a blessing. Yeah, thank you for, thank you for that. Um, so you lived a life of extremes. So you grew up in a family that was Jehovah Witness, converted to, to Muslim. Um, you grew up in a small town in, you know, Monks, South Carolina. Now you're in the big city. And you had some trouble as a youth, you know, drugs, jail. Um, now you're this millionaire, um, radio mogul, um, New York Times bestseller. You know, you've got, all, you know, there's a lot of polarizing differences on what has helped you navigate these extremes. Man, um, I don't know why when you asked me that, the first thing I thought about was was, was trauma, right? And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is, um, you know, I always still feel like that, that, that little kid growing up in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. And I always still feel like, um, like I still feel myself on that dirt road, if that makes any sense. Like I still feel myself sitting on my grandma's porch, you know, after school. I still feel myself... You know, sitting at my, my homeboy Jarrell's house, you know, um, when I was, you know, hustling and doing things I, I didn't have no business doing. So for some reason, that keeps me grounded. You know, um, I've been I've been fired, you know, four times from radio. You know, I've, I've, I've had I've had the, the, I was the stay at home dad when my first, you know, daughter was born and my wife was at work. And then she couldn't hold it down as far as the bills were concerned because she was she was just one one income coming in so you know we ended up having to you know move out and she had ended up in front of the, the judge because we were about to get evicted so it's just like i i still feel all of that you know what i mean so being that i still feel all of that i still feel that trauma it just 
kind of keeps me grounded. It don't ever make me. I, I don't. I'm, I'm never gonna get big headed. I'm never gonna be the person that you know looks down on somebody who may not be in the same position as me. Because I, I, I understand what it, it is to be in that position. I still feel like the intern that walked into the radio station in Charleston, South Carolina, Z93 Jams in 1998. Like I literally still feel like that in a lot of ways. But then when I allow myself to, uh, when I hear you even just, you know, talking about the things I've done, it's like, yeah, I'm doing all right. <laughs> but I still don't take it for granted. So that kind of just keeps me right here. And it's, it's something my father told me a long time ago. My father always said, you're never as good as they say you are and you're never as bad as they say you are. My father always told me that. So it just always kept me like centered and, and, and grounded, so to speak. So. I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm still uh, frozen in some of that trauma, and I still feel some of that trauma, and I, I don't, I don't want to go back. So I don't really take any of it. I don't ever take any of it for anything other than what it is, which is a living. You know. Yeah. I said just be happy to be making a living, and that's what I feel. It's a living. Thank, thank you, God. That's it. Yeah. I have a question more about that in, in a second, because I know you've talked about anxiety and, and stuff um, in, in your books, but just a little more about South Carolina. So I know you graduated from South Carolina State, but- oh, in, no, I didn't, my mom did. Okay, yeah, okay, my mom. Did. I, didn't, I didn't graduate from college. I graduated okay. from night school, two yep. years behind schedule. I was 96, <laughs> I graduated in 98. Okay, all right, well, yeah, but I mean, you've done, you know, done so well, but I'm sorry, my question though is when, um, breaking into new radio, especially in New York, and you talked about these scenarios of, you know, uh, being let go from these jobs and so forth, um, radio jobs, like what hurdles did you have to come overcome in order to find uh, the success in radio that, you know, that got you on the right, right path? Man, that's, that's such a great question. Um, and I don't even think the answer is the fact that I had to uh, overcome any hurdles, right? I just think that's part of the process. You know, I think we live in this era where everything is so microwavable. Like, you know, people want things to happen instantly. You know, especially these kids. These kids get online and they get, you know, a few thousand followers. Now they think they popping. Now they're like, okay, where the money at? You know, that's not how any of this works. Like in my first book, Black Privilege, I, I got a chapter called Put the Weed in the Bag. And it's based off it's based off uh, the movie Belly. And in the movie Belly, you know, DMX and Nas's characters are sitting at the table with these two young kids. And the two young kids are like, yo, man, we want to go out there and, and, and get money with y'all, man. We want to get money, man. I'm tired of all this school. And DMX is like, man, put the weed in the back. Then go get money. So basically that's saying there's a process. You can't just hit the streets and, and get money. You got to bag that weed up. It's a process. And that's how life is, right? So all of those firings, those four firings from radio, that was just all part of the process. Because literally every time I got fired, I ended up in a better position. And I ended up in a better position with more experience based off the last situation. So literally God was preparing me for New York. Like look at my trajectory. Starts off, you start off in Charleston, South Carolina. Then I go, I work in two stations in Charleston. I go to Columbia, South Carolina, work at two stations. Then I get, you know, an opportunity of a lifetime to go work in New York with Wendy Williams for free. I did that. I did that for free. I, I didn't even take a paycheck, like because they, they they couldn't. They said they couldn't. They couldn't pay me. So I worked with her for a year and a half for free, and then that New York experience, being on a syndicated show, then going to Philly for a ten months to host my own morning show, and then having to go home for a whole year and do no radio, because God was telling me go sit down for a second, spend this time at home, because what I'm about to do for you now you're not going to have this time like this ever again. 
So I know what happened. I, I believe it's in black privilege you're talking about, you know, there, there's uh, there's lessons, there's no losses because you learned, you know, from from um, from everything. So did you always have this mindset along the way or did you just have this drive just to continue, you know, uh, to continue to, continue to press forward? Now, I always, I always knew that I was destined for some type of greatness. I always felt like, you know, there was something inside of me that was bigger than me. Like always, like I'm, I'm, I mean, like literally when I was, you know, in third grade and you get off the school bus and you know, you, you go you go to your grandma's house and you wait for everybody else to get home. That was back in the day when you could just leave the doors open, you know? So I literally would be in my grandma's yard, like talking in front of this field, which at, when I was younger seemed so massive. Now it's not that big, but I'd be talking in front of this field. Like I'm talking to a, a lot of people and I just all, I always just felt bigger than my environment always, always felt bigger than that dirt road. I always knew that something great was going, was going to come. So regardless of what happened in my life, I never looked at it as anything other than, yo, I know my time is coming. Like literally that's how I always was. Anytime something bad would happen or a so-called bad, I'd just be like, yo, my time is coming. I get fired. I'd be like, oh, my time is coming. Oh, yo, God, this, this is all part of the plan. I, yo, that, the, growing up with Jehovah's Witness, the book of Job was like the, the, the greatest, you know, story ever told to a person, right? Because if you really truly do believe in God and you really truly do have faith in a higher power and you are living, you know, righteously, you know that regardless of what happens in your life, it's all part of a greater plan. And that's just all, that's always how, how I've been. Yeah, I, I love that. When you talk about standing in front of the field, what, what, what would you be saying? What, you know, what would you be saying when you were, you know, standing in front of the field talking? I'd be acting like I'm playing that, that thing you got on your wall. <laughs> yes. I don't know why. I just I always, I, don't, I used to be acting like I'm playing a guitar. I used to always act like I was performing. And it was always music. It was music driven. It wasn't like comedy or like spoken word or anything. It was just always music driven. I mean, even when I was young, I, I got this tattoo of, which is garbage now, but I got a tattoo of Wolverine from the X-Men on my arm holding a microphone. Cause I always knew that a microphone would change my life. Like I just knew that. Like I got this tattoo and I was like, man, I don't even know, like 19 maybe. Like, so I, so I, I might have just started as an intern on the radio, but I just always knew a microphone would change my life. And, and you know, I, I wanted to rap at one point. Matter of fact, that's when I got this. I got this when I wanted to rap. And I met a radio personality at the studio. So. Even though my good plan wasn't God's plan for me, because my good plan was to make it as a rapper. But I'm in the studio, but I meet this radio personality who puts the radio bug in my ear. And it's literally that bit of information. It's him telling me, go down there and get an internship, which is what ultimately, you know, put me on the path God wanted me to be on. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love, too, like, in these situations, you have to be obedient or allow yourself to move, you know, to move in these directions. So, you know, that, that's beautiful seeing how it worked out. Um, so anxiety is something that you have talked about. You know, your, your second book, Shook One, Anxiety Playing Tricks on Me, talks about fears and anxieties you faced um, and have overcome to succeed. Did beginning therapy at 39 spark an aha moment for you? Oh, definitely. A hundred percent. Because I always tell people, man, therapy is like when you when you got a junky closet, junky room, and like you start going in that room or you go in that closet and you just start organizing things, you know, and the things that you want to keep, you fold up nice and neat or you hang them up or, you know, you just put them, put them up properly. The things you don't want, you put them, you throw them away or you give them away and then you got room to bring in new stuff because you got a nice 
organized closet and that's like what it is for your mind that's what it is for your brain you know and just like I said I had a lot I still got a lot of trauma you know a lot of things that I'm unpacking a lot of things that I'm dealing with things from you know your childhood you think you had a handle on but you realize man that's why certain things trigger me now that's why this triggers me now that triggers me now so it's a constant it's a constant process you know it's a constant resource that I use just to keep this this from going haywire because you see a lot of that in, in this business you see a lot of people don't don't keep a handle on this and they lose it and that's a scary that's a scary feeling for me and, and I've just been watching like I've watched a lot. I've watched a, quite a few people around me lose it, you know, like lose it. And you know, just like, yo, what happened to that person? So that's a scary thing to see somebody's like, you know, greatest gift, which is their mind, end up being their greatest curse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so definitely, there was definitely an aha moment for me. It still is. Are, are there any particular, is there one particular coping strategy you use when you're, you know, dealing with anxiety? Because I, you, you were, t- I'm sorry, just briefly, I want to say, I was surprised when I was reading, you know, part of the, one of the chapters where you were talking about how it could be a book signing or something and you're feeling really anxiety. It's like, oh, it's going to tank. It's not going to go well. And you, yet you have all this success, but you're feeling like that. So if you start feeling that way, what, you know, what do you do to get through it? Well, when I'm at home, what I do is I take my shoes off and I actually go walk barefoot in the yard. Cause you know, I just feel like being grounded towards the earth is like, Man, it's, it, it does something to me. The only thing better than that is like being in the ocean and looking up at the sun. Like when I pray, I like to look up at the sky. I like to look at the sun. I feel like that's God's eye, right? So it's like when you're in uh, a place where you're at a beach and you're in the water and you can look up at the sun, there's no better grounding feeling than that. But you know, when I'm at home, I just, I walk around barefoot. So I can put my feet in the mm-hmm. earth, right? And it's, it's weird thinking about that because I grew up in the country. So we would mm-hmm. run around barefoot all the time. So when your therapist tells you that's a coping mechanism, you're like, yeah, I've been doing that my whole life. Like, yeah. so it makes you get reconnected, not just back to the earth, but for me back to, you know, those, those, those moments in my life when life was just simple, when, when, when life was just, just innocent. Yeah. I love you say that. Cause I, it's not something I'm conscious of, except that during this whole pandemic, like I rarely wear shoes, you know? Um, yeah. And it's just comfortable. Like why, 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 you know, it just feels so, so much comfortable. So all right, that's, that's funny. I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. Um, and uh, how about, I, I read that some of your peers have recommended that you try therapy, but outside of the group of people who recommended therapy, you know, was it something you were comfortable letting other people know that you were doing when you started or, you know, were you hesitant at first or what? Well, my, my, my problem, Billy, is I overshare. So it's like I can't get on the radio or the, a podcast and have something on my mind and not talk about it, you know? So for me, it was that process of, man, I want to try therapy. Or, you know, you'd be interviewing somebody and they talk about therapy and you're like, yo, I would like to try therapy. What, you know, and then you have these conversations on it and you have them off air. And I, it was something I was saying to my wife a lot. Like, man, I think I need to go to therapy. I think I need to go to therapy. And I remember what really made me go was I was actually on vacation and I was feeling no anxiety, no, you know, no PTSD. It was just, it was, I was in my, one of my favorite places, Anguilla. And I'm, I'm there with all my family and my friends. And I just, you know how you, you just had that moment, like I'm, I'm really at peace right now. And it's just like, yo, how can I always feel like this? Cause I can't always be on vacation with family and friends, right? You still gotta get back to reality. So I'm like, you know what? Now I'm gonna go see the therapist to see if I can feel like this all the time. If I can, wow. if I can, 
get to this, 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 get back to center in this way within myself or feel grounded like this within myself to where I just feel anxiety free. I want that. So I just, that's, I started going and I started going for my anxiety, but then I started going, when, you know, you peeling back all them layers while you in there, man, you start dealing with so many unresolved traumas and, you know, things that happened to you when you was a child, a teenager, young adult, and you realize how much those things impact you even now. And for yeah. me, for me telling my story, um, it's easy. It's not. It's still uncomfortable, but it's easier now because I know I'm not alone. Even my pops. My pops, when he read my second book, Shook One, and realized everything I was going through, he was like, "Yo, I, I went, I went to therapy, you know, two and three times a week, and I was on ten to twelve different medications. I tried to kill myself thirty years ago, and I'm like, he never told me that. Like, I never. He never told me that. He told me that for the first time two years ago on Thanksgiving. Wow. So. Yeah. And uh, I know for black men in particular, you know, like there's such a stigma, especially so, you know, it's great. You being open is helping other people. And I saw that you said you wouldn't share your therapist <laughs> information, but are there any organizations for black men in particular that you would recommend um, for, you know, to look into for therapy resources? Oh man, there's so many. You have um, Black Men Heal out of Philadelphia, that's an organization that I love. You know, they actually provide therapy for people in the Philadelphia area. Um, I love Silence to Shame by Shanti Dawes. I love people like Dr. Rita Walker. She's got a great book out called The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health. You know, my, my, my girl, Dr. Alfie Noble, she's, a, she's another great resource. She's got like two books out there that you can, you know, go, go purchase. You know, Dr. Jessica Clemens, um, my man, Jason, Jason Wilson out of, out of Detroit. Detroit area, like, you know, it's, it's just, it's so many different tools and resources, like for, for us to be in the position that we're in now with black men, for, for us to not, to not be like taking advantage of all these tools and resources to deal with our mental health, man, we doing ourselves a disservice, you know, and, and you, you can't heal what you don't reveal. So like we gotta drop the tough guy persona and we gotta stop acting like we so hard and we so gangster and it's okay to say, yo man, I'm I'm feeling something today and I don't know what that feeling is. It's okay to say you feel sad. It's okay to say, yo, I'm 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 I'm, I'm feeling insecure about something. Like we got we got this whole macho thing and I understand it because you know we gotta survive. Like you gotta walk around hard, you know. But for me, man, the only thing I want protecting me is the armor of God. Yeah. You no, know, everything else I got to leave my heart open to. So when yeah, I yeah. feel, I allow myself to feel. Yeah, people need to hear this. And this um, it's a great segue to this question I've been wanting to ask you since I heard your interview with Will Smith last year. <laughs> so um, Will Smith. Well, crazy, um, that was January. Think about that. The, oh, that was this year? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It seemed like a whole day. It seemed like, yeah. it seemed like the NBA. Like we watched yeah. the season and we all went in the bubble. And now we're watching a whole other season, but it's the same season. Okay, wow. Okay. But so he said this, and you probably know exactly where I'm going. <clears throat> um, he said to you, you're seeing Charlemagne the God as separate from you. I want you to know that who you really are is enough. The character can die. And the way that you responded to that and the, you know, the brief uh, exchange, it was really, it was really interesting. So I wanted to know, um, is this something you've been dealing with? Yeah, I felt that before though. I felt that before Will said it. That's why when Will said it to me, it was just um, more confirmation from God. Like, you know, like I'm on the right path. Cause I already have felt that. Like, that's why I even, 
I use my real name. I say Lenard, you know, see the God McKelvey, you know, because that that is that is that is who I am. You know, the character is, you know, something you create when you're young because you you're 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 protecting yourself. You know, you're protecting the real you. So you create this this character, you create this performer. And it starts way before radio, right? Like this literally starts when you're in the street, when you're in Mom's Corner, South Carolina, like that's Charlemagne. Like that's a it's a thing that 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 protects you. The kid it did it keeps people away from from who you really are. And that's only because at during, at that time you don't know who you really are. You're trying to figure it out. Like you're just trying to survive. So you create these characters to survive. And when Will said that to me, I was man three years, four years ahead of him on that. That was just confirmation, you know, from somebody that we all respect. That just lets me know I'm 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 on the I'm on the right path, and it meant a lot because he he's watched me, you know what I mean. So he's watched this evolution, he's watched this growth. Another thing he said in there is like, "Yo, you got another gear, you got another level, and I can't wait to see you access that." And you know, every now and then, God God sends messengers in 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 in, in, in a variety of ways. And to me, that was just a message that was delivered to me that was said in front of everybody. But I get a lot of those. For which God, God gives me a lot of those all the time from a variety of different people. That was just one that was just played out in front of in front of everybody. But yes, definitely the character, and the character, the character is what it is. It's a character. But you know, I don't, I don't, I give myself grace, and I give other people grace for when they for what they do when they're just trying to survive. So oh. yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. I know we're out of time so i have one more question um a, a quick and easy one but just what's what's on your playlist you know what's... if you got how many more questions you got oh uh, i just will ask i'm, I, I, I'm okay. gonna be honest with you i like radio discussion so yeah i can give you 15 more minutes if you need it oh okay yeah oh, probably be mad yeah. at me for that but uh. oh okay yeah <laughs> yeah okay no uh, i definitely definitely appreciate that so i wanted to you know just in talking a little bit more about the persona stuff um but because the thing is, when I heard it, I heard him talking to you, and I could see from what I know from you watching you on radio. However, I felt it spoke to me, and I feel like it spoke to a lot of people. So, you know, I think uh, you just allowing yourself to be transparent in moments like that, you know, is a part of you sharing your platform and your gift and having, you know, having an impact on other people. So, you know, I think that, you know, I think it's great. So how do you feel? And I think something that happens in hip hop a lot, um, it's getting better now that we have a lot of artists who've had a longer career trajectories is we get to see artists evolve because a lot of times with hip hop artists, it's just sort of like we only see them at a certain stage of life. And then as they mature, like even Master P, um, you know, being able to see him in the game and still be around and to reflect on what it's like, you know, so I think it's important. So do you feel good? And um, I know you're open book and how you've been evolving personally and then being it, sharing it sharing it with the world. I feel great about it. You know, I finally feel like I have a sense of purpose. Um, you know, I, I, last December, I remember sitting around at the crib and I just, I finally felt worthy. And I remember Bishop T.D. Jakes and Tyler Perry always would say, you know, you got to get to a place of worthy. And, and I never felt that. I always had imposter syndrome. And one of the reasons you have imposter syndrome is because you're pretending to be something you're kind of not, right? And I think it's almost impossible uh, when you're 
in radio or any type of entertainment, it's almost impossible to not become a caricature of yourself at some point because you hear so many things, right? People be like, oh, well, this is your brand. Uh, you know, you read things about yourself in, in, in magazines and you see what people think about you or even social media, you see what people think about you, you see what people like about you. So you start giving them more of that. And for me, that makes me sick. And the reason it makes me sick is because I, I know in those moments I'm not being my true authentic self. And that's all I ever want to be. All I ever want to be is my true authentic self. Nothing more, nothing less. So in those moments when I've fallen short of being that, like, yeah, those are the moments that you look back on and you do regret. You're like, damn, I, I, I only said that because I was performing. I only did that because I was performing. You know what I mean? And, and those are the things that don't make you feel good. Everything else I can stand on. Everything, anything, anything else that I was truly being my true authentic self, I can stand on. Everything else, I can't. So. Well, what, what advice would you give to young artists in general as they're trying to find their way? Because, you know, the piggyback thing does work, right? I mean, if you latch on to something that's working and then, you know, at the point you become established, you can kind of pivot to something because maybe it isn't so easy to, you know, to come in the gate uh, being different. Uh, from, but yeah, you know, what advice would you give to yeah to people man, coming up? Yeah, you know, I I literally just gave this advice to a kid this week. It was, it was a young man um, who reached out to a mutual friend, and you know he was like, "Yeah, I want to be I want to be like the the, the the young Charlemagne." You know what I'm saying? He was like, "I love everything you're doing now, but I want to be like that that young reckless yada yada yada." And I'm like, "You don't want to do that." And the reason you don't want to do that because it's always better to be a first rate version of yourself than a second rate version of somebody else. And you know. You're, 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 you're not going to be happy about that in the future. Because if you're doing things just for attention, if you're doing things you know, just, just to get on, if you're doing things just to get views, just to get likes, just to get retweets, it's not gonna last. Like it's, 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 it, everything has to be purpose-driven. Like it has to be something that's bigger than you. If you're doing it just because that's what you want, you wanna get hot for that moment, it's not gonna last. Like th through, through it all, my intention has always been how can I empower other people? How can I, you know, be a light to other people? If, if, if they're not getting it from me, I want to bring on guests that they can get it from. You know what I mean? I want to provide opportunities that can, they can get it from. I want to do charitable work that they can get it from through, through it all. And that's been, that's been my whole existence. So I've always moved with, with, with a certain type of intention. And my intention was never just to, be famous. My intention was never just to get money. I, I wanted to fulfill a prophecy that somebody told me a long time ago, like 10 years ago, I had this, this medium tell me like, yo, you were well, two, a few people, but one, two in particular was Minister Farrakhan when he told me I was more than what I appeared to be to other people. And I was here to, he wanted, he, he I was here to share wisdom and messages with, with my people and he wanted to help in, on that journey. And I had a medium say to me one time, um, yo, I, I, he said, he said, yo, you're going to accomplish a lot of your goals relatively easy. Just know that when you get to where you're going, you're here to deliver a message. Huh. And so I've always had those things in my mind. I've always had those thoughts in my mind. And when I say, when I say things like, yo, I always felt like things were bigger than me. That's what I meant. Like, I always felt like I'm, I'm here to be that for this generation. Yeah, I just didn't know what that was yet, but I think I know now what that is. 
Yeah, that's so our especially to have like Minister Farrakhan of all people to say something like that to you or just even know that you're on his radar and that he's um, familiar enough with what you're doing that he could, you know, offer you that that kind of advice. That was, that was 2005. That was 2005. I was, I was doing radio in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. I was doing youth ministry at, at Muhammad Moss, number 3838. And he was there for a, um, a, a press conference because they was doing the Million More Movement, the 10 year anniversary of the Million Man March. And um, I was in there. I didn't know if I was going to ever meet this man again. And, and he was a, a brother who my father used to make me sit down and listen to him. So I was just asking him questions about life. And he stopped the whole press conference. It was like, he answered two questions. He was like, look, I'm going to talk to you after. Hmm. And I thought he was curving me. But no, I went in this suite after and he told me to record it. And I still got that recording to this day. And he was like, Yo, you are more than what you appear to be to other people. And I want to give you all the wisdom God has given me so you can help raise the next generation. And it's yeah. just like, I don't take stuff like that for granted. Yeah, I think um, spiritually that a lot of times, you know, God is communicating with us, with everybody, right? But it's really, he can't, he's not going to force us to do it. So it's up to us whether or not we're going to allow ourselves to be a vessel or not. Um, and I think the blessing, not just to us, but is to others is when we allow ourselves to be a vessel, you know? 100%. So That's all yeah. we are. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that's all we all are, are vessels. So, man, this world right now can really cloud your thinking. Like, you know, growing up a Jehovah Witness, they used to always say, you know, you're either going to be worldly or you're going to be of, of, of God, right? And it's so like in this world now where everybody's always, it's so much noise. It's so much noise. And there's so many people trying to tell you who you are and what you're about. And it's just like, man, you got to dismiss all of that and just listen to what God is trying to tell you. And yeah. Listen and who God wants you to be. I, I want to talk about social media, especially not just, I don't think it's only impacting the young people, but I mean, I love social media. I'm on it constantly. I'm kind of addicted to social media, but it's very polarizing, the different opinions and, you know, and people are quick to jump on bandwagons and, you know, cancel people. And sometimes, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. And I think uh, for teens though, when we look at mental health and uh, suicide rate and, and people feeling like they're not, you know, it's a lot. So what, what is your opinion on, you know, how we should be digesting social, uh, social media? My opinion is, man, um, it's going to be sad. It's going to be a generation of really, really, really sad people. And the reason it's going to be a generation of really, really sad people is because at some point you got to give other humans the grace you want God to give you. You know, at, at some point you got to allow Malcolm Little to become Malcolm X. You know, at some point you got to stop, you know, judging people by the worst thing they may have said. <laughs> you know what I mean? In, in the span of a lifetime. And that's what social media does. Social media keeps people suspended in these, in, in, in these moments. Like it keeps people frozen in these, these moments in time. And, you know, you almost got to be like, like Lot and his family. You know, you can't look back. If you look back, you're going to turn into a, a pillar of salt. Like you just got to keep looking forward because social media is full of a lot of miserable people who always want to remind you of the old them because they're still the old version of themselves. You've grown and they haven't, and they can't stand that, you know? So they always constantly want to remind you of the, of the worst thing you may have said or the worst thing you may have did. And it's like, yo, we can't have, you know, cancel culture. You got to have council culture. Hmm. You know, who, who, who's sitting down, you know, who's, who's created the safe space where people can just sit down and talk about their brokenness, you know, can, can talk about, Right. their mistakes because every story that i loved growing up was a story of 
healing. It was a story of redemption. It was a story of growth. It was a story of evolution. Like when I say, you know, Malcolm Little to Malcolm X, would this generation even have let Malcolm Little grow to Malcolm X? Uh, when Malcolm Little came out of prison, they'd be like, oh, nah, you that heroin selling, you know, dude out here that was sleeping with these white women. Like, you know, you, 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 that, that's what you're going to do? Are you going to allow the man to grow? You're going to allow the, the, the man to evolve? So, man, I would just tell these kids, man, you know, give, 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 give yourself some grace. Please give yourself some grace because you're going to make a lot of mistakes. The only difference is 95% of the time in this era, your mistakes will be documented via social media. <laughs> Thank God ours weren't. Yeah, yeah, because they're going oh, back and finding old stuff. Old oh, my God. Oh, my. Can you imagine that, though? Imagine if I'm, I'm 42, so I'm, I've been on social media, so what, since 2007, eight, when, when Twitter was, when Twitter was around. So it's only been, you know, what, 12 years? Mm-hmm. Imagine being on that thing from the time you eight to 20 or eight to 30 or eight yeah. to whatever, like, yo, my God, that's, yeah. that's gotta be, di- I mean, yo, sometimes I feel sorry because we laughing at these videos, right? Or we laugh at these memes or we laugh, like I saw the, the other day, it's the video of the little boy on, on, on Zoom via class and his mom walks in naked. naked. <laughs> we laughing. Yeah. Well, she's naked for the whole world to see. And, like, and you know what? And he's traumatized for as long as he knows those kids, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Like, that's wild to think about. So, okay. All right. Thank you. And so I guess I should ask you some music <laughs> before, before you get out of here. And one, you know, I thank you for your openness and sharing. I think this has been a great conversation. Um, but we also would love to know what's on, what's on your playlist. What, what are you, what are you li- listening to? What am I listening to? Hold on, let me pull it up. Cause I was riding this, you know, today's Friday, so we was riding new music. So I know off the top of my head this morning, I was listening to um it's this rapper from LA, man. He's so dope. A young rapper named Reason. And Reason just put out an album, and the name of the album is called New Beginnings. So like, he's phenomenal. He signed the um Top Dog Entertainment. So that's Kendrick Lamar and Schoolboy Q and SZA and all of them. He's really dope. Um, he got a song with Rhapsody on this album that I really like. And I was listening to uh, Benny the Butcher. He's got a, a new song with Big Big Sean and Lil Wayne. And so I was riding to that this morning. But I mean, you know, usually when I'm not checking out the new music, 21 Savage, his new album, that's another one I'm listening to. But most of the time I'm listening to 90s R&B, man, or, 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 or 90s hip hop, the stuff that I grew up on. You know, I just, I'm just happy that we're in an era where, you know, you could literally... We got a new Nas album a couple months ago, and it was dope. So you got the OG veteran Nas rapping from the 40-something-year-old perspective, which I can really, really relate to. Yeah. And then you got the young artists, like the 21 Savages and the Reasons, and I listen to them because I like to hear the world from their perspective as well. You know, you know, not only is the music sonically pleasing to my ears, but these guys are actually talking about something. Like they're talking about things that I can relate to. Our rap city, she's a, 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 a woman from North Carolina who's phenomenal. She's on the Reason album. She's talking about things that I can relate to, but it's just from her perspective and her generation. So I appreciate that too. So I don't think we've ever seen this, this, this uh, era in music where you still have the OGs who are phenomenal and, and speaking from your 40-something-year-old perspective and then the young dudes and young women who are actually ph- phenomenal too. And you can relate to them as well. Like it's never, been, I've never seen that before in my lifetime. And I think it's yeah. dope. Yeah, that's a great point, because it really, at the end of the day, for me, is about balance, you know, and so to get, to get, you know, to have access to whatever aspect of it that you need at that moment, you know, 
Just like you go in the refrigerator, you know, you want the variety, you want options. <laughs> you want options, like yo, and what's so dope, like some like Griselda, right? Griselda Records is a record label. All of those dudes are dope on Griselda. Benny the Butcher, uh, West Side, I mean, um, uh, Conway, Conway the Machine, West Side Gun, and it's like, what they do that's so dope is they do music with the old artists. So Conway got Method Man on his album, and West Side got two features from Slick Rick on his new album. You know, so it's like it's like the the, the old. I don't want to say the old, the, the legendary and the new, they're like merging. They're like all, like all on the same plane. And Slick Rick sounds just as dope as them. And Meth, man, Meth sounds just as dope as them. You know, and Nas doing a whole album with Hit Boy. Hit Boy's a young producer. Nas got albums older than Hit Boy. But Hit Boy grew up on Nas and appreciates that sound and knows how to create that new sounding vintage sound that got everybody on the album sounding fresh from Nas, the AZ, the Foxy, the, the Carmega, all of them sound, everybody that's on that album sounds fresh. And I just, I just love that. You know, I love, I love seeing how the, 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 the veterans and the, the, the up and comers are like on the same page. Yeah. That's beautiful. Hey brother, thank you so much for your time. Can you tell people how to keep up with you? Um, social media, I guess, you know, at see the God, um, I'm, I'm on Instagram more than anything. Um, and just, you know, please continue to listen to the breakfast club, listen to the brilliant idiots podcast. Please check out the black effect podcast network. Um, it's available wherever you listen to podcasts, but you can go to the iHeartRadio app and just type in black effect and the shows that we have out down are currently up. Um, right now we got, uh, all the smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. We got straight shot. No chaser with Tesla and Figaro. We got, um, hello somebody with Nina Turner. Um, we have cut to it with uh, Steve Steve Smith Sr. from the Carolina Panthers. So all of those are available right now for you to listen to. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, you definitely, guys, make sure you check that out. And Charlemagne the God, the Living Legends Foundation 2021 Jerry Bowden Award recipient. We appreciate you, brother. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you for the Thank award, too. I really appreciate the Living Legends Foundation, man. Um, you know, validation from your own people means the world to me. You know, like the, the, those are the, those are the, awards I care about, the awards that come from black people, you know, <laughs> I appreciate that. So thank you. Yeah. All right. Okay, man. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. Peace. Music Day, a verified hit is presented by the Living Legends Foundation, Inc. Real talk with experience. Please follow and share Music Day on Instagram at Living Legends Foundation and at Music Day Podcast on Twitter at The LLF Inc. Join us on Facebook, The Living Legends Foundation. Executive producers are Jacqueline Reinhardt, Mark Hill, Ken Johnson, and Pat Shields. Our associate producers are Shannon Henderson, Sheila Eldridge, Tony Winger, Vivian Scott Chu, and Varnell Johnson. Production by Mark Hill Creative. Talent booking Black.LLC. Theme music by Wendell Wellman for Star Maker Global. Interstitial music by William Reinhardt. And I'm your announcer, Jay Johnson.